The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Back with Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. That's right. It's the captain, the ticket, 93.7. We're having a candid conversation with uh, one of my special, special coaches. I don't know what it is about me and the defensive coaches, but I don't know how the relationships that I forged with the coaches was better on the defensive side, maybe because I had a defensive mentality or something. Coach, there is a rumor, and I'm trying to figure out if it's true or not. And I don't know. It seems like me and you talked about that. But at Nebraska, when I wasn't playing for those couple of years, there's a rumor that you asked for me to come over to the defensive side of the ball. Is that true? Well, you know, I always looked at you as a defensive player. I didn't, I, I, you know, I, I thought uh, you, you had that toughness about you. You know, yeah, and you had some real good energy. So there was a time, there was a time I I, I looked at you, but they weren't gonna give you up. Dang, <laughs> what well, I wasn't playing. Why you think they wasn't gonna give? Why they didn't give me up though, Coach? What they say? We 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 got to keep him oh, over I, here. I I don't remember the details, <sighs> but you you I thought you were a great energy to the whole team. But I thought uh, I I thought you you did right by staying on offense. Yeah, I mean, I think I helped because we needed that mentality, that black shirt mentality on offense. Somebody that wouldn't that'll smack you in the mouth, pick you back up, say say some smart words to you as I'm picking you up, and then come smack you again. So, I'm 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 good with that. But so 1986 to 1996, you were there for a 10 year span that changed the game. Talk a little bit about what changed. From '86 to '90, what two or three? What was the change, yeah. and why did we change? Well, we started transitioning a little bit on defense when we kept going to those bowl games, the, the Orange Bowl in particular, and then we went down and Georgia Tech smacked us pretty hard. Uh, we we felt like we just couldn't play as fast on defense as some of the teams we had to deal with when we played Miami, Florida State, those kind of people. And uh, in, after that 90-91, that when we started switching the defense, we took the big safeties, Ed Stewart, Troy Dumas, mm-hmm. some of those guys, mm-hmm. and we moved them up to linebackers. We, and then, of course, we had the Baron Mileses of the world and Kareem Aman now, and, and we had all those guys, Mike Minna you mentioned, mm-hmm. and we just ended up with speed, you know, back there. We, we made our defense so much faster so that when we went down there, uh, if you think back to, for instance, Trevor Albert's senior year, we were fast on defense. Mm-hmm. And we were a lot different. We changed the scheme. But we also, the year prior to going down there, you know, when Tommy Frazier started playing, that didn't hurt us at all. <laughs> because I thought he, his 
his style of offense fits so much to 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 the way we play on offense anyway that he changed the game for us. And uh, that combination of that great offense, the offensive line, that quarterback, of course, those great running backs. And we had such a, a package that fits so much better, I thought that took us to the next level. Because if you remember, we should have beaten Miami down there, uh, Florida State down there, when mm-hmm. Trevor was there his mm-hmm. senior year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should have won that game. Yeah, I, mean, Dixon, I, still, I still have flashbacks on that punt return. <laughs> oh, you talking about the Phantom pushing the back call? Yeah. <laughs> there was never no one in the vicinity of pushing the back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? But I feel like that was the big transition uh, from a defensive standpoint and an offensive standpoint. Mm. Speed. Get the speed out there. And then let yeah. everything else. You we you guys, t- the defensive ends with me having a, the reason why they knew I could play tight end was because on scout team I would play just about every position, on the, or, or across the scout team, and they yeah. said oh he can block a little bit. Well I had to go against Dwayne Harris. So eventually after going against you know Trev Hours, Dwayne Dante and all them, you become a decent blocker. You don't have a choice. Yeah, you don't have a choice. If if a guy was going to play for Coach Sams, what did that guy have to do? What was his makeup? What did he? What were the intangibles that he was going to have to play with in order to call himself a starter for you? Well, be, first of all, when watching them on film and all that, uh, they had to be relentless. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had to be relentless. There was no reason. For, for me to have to chase them around telling them to play hard. And uh, they had to understand that. And if you look at all the guys, they were playmakers. You, you know, some people run around all day and do everything you want them to do, but they weren't making plays. Mm. Those guys had to be playmakers. They had to be very, very disruptive in my mind. Did you recruit that? Did you on film? Were you looking for guys that were high motor, destructive guys on film, or were you looking for size and what fit the narrative? Well, a little bit of everything, but you, you know, we can't. If you you think back on the names we mentioned before, and 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 you you know them, you you remember that they were all different body types in there, mm-hmm. and so. That relentless uh, playmaking, destruct- destructive athletic thing came into play. You know, Travis Hill, for instance, when I saw him on film in high school, he was returning kicks and punts, and he was playing linebacker one game, safety, and then a little defensive end. Uh, Trev actually came to Nebraska as a linebacker, but I did watch his film, and he was similar. He played all to, all over the football field. And... Uh, when we went to that defensive end thing, boy, those guys all had a great first step. You know, it didn't matter the 40 time, but that great first step on pass rush. I tell you, a guy that had a great first step was Tomich. Mm. Tomich had a, a miraculous first step. So it, it varied, but they all. But you see where we're, we're pigeonholing that energy, though. Mm-hmm. When you talk in schemes, you know, a lot of times – we would have, again, this is my, my perception of it, we would have seven to nine guys across the line of scrimmage on defense 
and and was that a was that a plan scheme or was that something that the guys had they could do that if they wanted to because they had you guys as blessing? Well, we a little bit of both, but a lot of that came from us playing University of Washington uh, uh, before. Right? We had some great battles with them, and they beat us in two games, and they were doing a lot of those type of things, and it was causing some confusion across the line with pass protection and, and a lot of things like that. And uh, we, we went to that scheme as, and uh, then we also did a, a fair amount of the Miami scheme where we were doing a fair amount of man-to-man stuff. And then, uh, so it was a little bit of both. Mm. How did you find Eric Warfield? What was it about him that you said, I, I, we need him at Nebraska? Oh, jeez. Warfield was special. <laughs> Warfield came out of Arkansas. And we, we only went down there for two years, there was a little movement at the University of Arkansas. It's tough to go down there and recruit. But we saw him on film. Uh, George Donaldson saw him on film, liked him. I, I looked at the film, and I, I went down there to recruit him. And I watched him take off just about a step inside the free throw line one day at practice. Mm. I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he was a great hurdler. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Walfield was easy once uh, when once you got to see him do his thing, he was really easy to recruit to go to go get. Well, Octavius McFarland still to this day he told me to make sure I tell you thank you a couple times for continuing to believe in him and recruiting him. Why did you recruit Octavius McFarland? What was it about him? Similar thing. George liked him because what we did position coaches would look at the kids first. And, but he was in my recruiting area as well. And he was as violent a hitter for his size that I'd ever seen. But he was also a very skilled, skilled athlete. He could play safety, linebacker. There's another guy he returned punts for us. Mm. Tough as nails. Actually ended up becoming a linebacker and a great one. And uh, I, when I went out there to Bastrop, Texas, mm-hmm. And, and met him and his family and the coach and the way they coached him and all that. I, I mean, he was definitely one of our guys. Did you have to recruit? Because he told me a story about how he cried himself. He came when he first got up here and, and mom and dad left and, and uh, the brothers left. He said he, he didn't know what to do. All he could do was cry himself to sleep. At your house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I said, oh, that's yeah. that's a great way to get broken into college football everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, you know, that's part of the deal if you're never going away from home. And he came from, uh, Bastrop's a very small town, or was, and uh, very family-oriented. And, uh, you know, everybody knew everybody. So I could imagine that would have been a great culture shock for, for him, the Warfield, for a lot of people. It's, mm-hmm. it's a different world. 
but you eventually, as you very well know, eventually you become part of the family as as a as a corn husker. Mm-hmm. What what do you when you recruiting? Are you recruiting the parents as well? What what are you saying to the parents to get them to to relinquish their kid, their child, to go eight nine hundred miles away to play football? Well, you know, I always I always felt. Uh, when I when I recruited somebody, regardless of position, I always kept an eye on them. Sometimes from a distance, but when they came up, I always kept an eye on them. Just like you know how you and I had a relationship, I had a relationship with just about everybody like that. Mm. But uh, John Melton was coaching before me when I was a player, and he was a great recruiter. And old John Melton, you know, when I became uh, full-time in 82, he was still there, and I'd go with him a couple of times. Or we'd take a couple of recruiting trips together. And he'd always say, you know, you really need to recruit the mother. Mm. And if the mother starts crying, you better find out why she's crying. The kid, if, the, if the kid commits and the mother starts crying, you better find out why she's crying. If she's happy with the decision, you got the kid. If she's crying because she's not happy with the decision, you got a problem. Oh boy, I imagine <laughs> you got more more crying because she was happy with the decision than than not. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you got to understand in recruiting now. Uh, when when you brought Coach Osborne into that house, the parents and everybody, I mean, you couldn't help, in my opinion, that I was with him in a lot of visits. You couldn't help as a parent but feel comfortable that Coach Osborne's going to look out for your kid. Why? What, what was the mystique about him? Why did he have that type of effect on households when he went? You know, he, he was just Coach Osborne. You know, that's the best way I can <laughs> say it. You know, yeah. he's, he's really, he's been the same. He came in my house when I was being recruited, you know, and my mom loved him too. You know, I mean, he's direct. You can look at him. And I, I always felt you can feel comfortable around him, you know, and you could see that he was interested in you. You know, he wasn't coming in and talking about the NFL and all this. He was talking about raising raising your kid. Mm. Yeah. It was more It was more than life than just football for Coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he, he hooked a lot of people. I mean, Coming from the from from Logan Fontenelle projects, when he came to my house, you would have thought I was having a party outside. There were so many people out there, and oh, just as many inside. Him. Huh? They were coming to see him, right? They were coming to see Coach Osborne. <laughs> of course, you know it was like a, a celebrity was in the building, and and everybody wanted to see Coach Osborne. It was really really surreal. But you being a head coach for as long as you were a head coach, not having, you know, you having success but not having major success. What do you tell yourself as a head coach when maybe you, you're, you're struggling a little bit? How do you get out of that struggle or how do you get through it? Well, you know, um, it's not so, so different than when we were in Nebraska, you know. Uh, you expect to play hard. You expect to give it your best effort. You know, and you, you when you're done with a game, win or lose, you want to be able to walk off the field with your head up. 
And to me, that was the biggest of all the challenges, making sure that the team understood that regardless of the score, they played the best they could. Because you have to understand, for instance, we went to New Mexico State, and we were on an average playing two or three money games a year. Mm. It was nothing for us to go play South Carolina, go back and play Georgia, go play Cal Berkeley, uh, play Texas, all those kind of teams in non-conference games two or three a year, and and uh, then play two big rivalry games, one against the uh, University of New Mexico and one against UTEP, Texas El Paso, which was a half hour away from our campus. Mm. So the first five games of the year were very, very taxing before you went into conference play. Mm. And so the litmus test for us was to go out there and play the best you can, and when you walk off that field, you felt good about it. Was it and t- we lucked up a couple times. I mean, we went out, we went to uh, – we went out there and we played Arizona State that one year. They were ranked 22 in the nation, and we weren't. We weren't even in the top 80. Mm. And we went out there and we beat them at their stadium. Is, is it tough to re- – and I kind of know the answer, but talk about how tough it is uh, recruiting to New Mexico State. How tough was that? Well, once you identify your players, now we weren't going to be able to get the, the kids that were going to be – recruited by big eight schools and all that. Uh, But once you identified your players, we had the biggest challenge of getting the kids to take an official visit there. But once they came on campus, we had a really good chance of getting them. So it it flipped, you know, at Nebraska, of course, everybody's beating the door down to try to come visit you. Uh, but we weren't we weren't necessarily recruiting that caliber of a player. We had to go and find a diamond in the rough and get him. Well, you but once we got him on campus, I always I always felt good about it. Mm-hmm. You you came in to Omaha though back then and took a running back from Benson, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Who Ken played Keith. in the league? Yeah, Ken Keith. Ken Keith. How you know, Kenton's dad is Percy Keith, who mm-hmm. was a teammate of ours at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And uh, KK, we called him, was a great, great player. And uh, when he was slipping through the cracks, you know, you know, we sped on up there, and he came down, same thing. He came down liked it. And so um, he came with us and had a great career with us. Then he went up to Canada, and he actually played has a Super Bowl uh Ring with the Colts. Yeah. Played well. Yeah. And I always yeah. wonder, you know, they, they had two backs in that backfield. It was Kitten Keith and, uh, oh, gosh, played linebacker, 34. I can't remember his name right offhand. But they both was in that linebacker, and we end up taking this guy and not taking – and I thought we should have took both of those, those kids because they both were really, really good back then. Well, we, we were glad we had him. <laughs> and, uh, he, he had a real good career for us. You know, he really was. This kid was, he was extremely fast. Yeah, he was very, very fast. And we actually signed a, a lineman out of uh, Bloomfield, Nebraska, as well, by the name of Tony Rogge, that ended up playing in the NFL for a long time. Uh, he was all the way up 
north, almost on the South Dakota border. Mm. Now, do you, when you were recruiting, whether it was at UNLV um, in the Southeast, do you say, okay, there's a board, you know, and I want these guys, as they're plucked off the board, do you take them off the board, move the guys up, or have you already identified guys from junior year, sophomore year, you know, how do you recruit them? Do you start their freshman year or do you kind of wait until their senior year? Well, once you identify a player in this day and age, and even back then, you, you started recruiting them if you thought they were recruitable. Some kids you, you keep in touch with, you see them as freshmen. Some kids you might not find out about them until, for instance, at New Mexico State, the kid might be visiting a bunch of big eight and big 10 schools, but he's down on their list as far as kids that they will take. And if kids started uh, making commitments to the other schools and they fill up with their scholarship allotment, we might find out late in the recruiting process sometimes that a kid that was being recruited by the higher levels of programs is now available. And we may or may not have known him. So then we would uh, intensify our recruiting on on someone like that. But it varies. And, of course, you know, the ties. You, you know, um, I've, re- I've actually recruited and had a lot of kids play for me late on in my career that were sons and nephews of former teammates and people I've coached. Mm. We're going to take a break with Coach with, with Coach. Uh, uh, coach Sams, the captain, the ticket is 93.7. When we get back, Coach, I want to talk a little bit about the NIL and the transfer portal. What's your thoughts on that? More when we okay. get back with Coach Tony Samuels. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.